Uh, right, hello everybody. Welcome to the Trend Signal podcast, and we're going to be looking at the trading week ahead uh, for between the 17th to the 21st of August. My name's Adrian Boothy. I'm the head of trading here at Trend Signal, and I'm joined as ever by our chief analyst and CEO, Jerry Miller. Hi, Jerry. Hello. Hi. Um, so, what um, what happens in these ones? This is your first time of listening? Is we do a run through of really what's what's about to happen. So what are the main events? What are the banana skins? What are the main stimulating events for the week ahead? They're going to be creating movement for traders uh, over this um, this summer period. So uh, what I'm going to do is just uh, bring up the economic calendar now. Those of, this, those of you that are watching this on our website or on YouTube, um, and we'll have a bit of a run through of that and other events as well. But Jerry, while I do that, do you just want to kick us off um, or really with, I guess, what don't we know yet? Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, we're right at the beginning of the week, uh, and Monday, uh, ironically, is the one day of the week that doesn't actually have any really high impact data. Uh, as you can see from the calendar, if you are actually uh, on YouTube, you can see the calendar there. Uh, there's nothing really of note coming out on Monday. Um, there are quite a few releases this week, uh, mostly towards the end of the week, but we've got a few central banks, um, certainly the uh, US central bank and the Australian central bank and all this PMI data. I can explain about that uh, in, a, uh, in, a in a second, but it, it, it's really data that tells us how well or how badly the services and manufacturing sectors are doing uh, in Europe, uh, which includes obviously the UK. It will always include the UK, maybe not in the EU, but in Europe for sure. Um, so. Uh, I'll, I'll kick off with today and just to sort of start the ball rolling and, and, and these events are not actually on the Forex calendar and those are some of the macro events. We've got these the dreaded Brexit trade negotiations, they're all kicking off again Adrian in, in Brussels, that's uh, face to face obviously. Uh, Frost goes, David Frost goes over to uh, Brussels to um, start those negotiations again and I, I really think Adrian the chances of any announcement is almost uh, it's just so remote uh, for now yeah. and, and the reason being that's not the the way the EU does it they're very much the sort of the 11th hour negotiations and they, they only really start negotiating hard when it approaches um, uh, the end of negotiations and I think that's one of the reasons why the UK government has made very clear that no matter what happens we leave the EU uh, uh, on the we we leave the EU properly on the 31st of December with or without a trade deal, uh, and I think that's the only way to make sure that the uh, EU does uh, does negotiate to a conclusion. Yeah, it's always it's weird, you know, a year or three ago, wasn't it, when um, you know it's almost the negotiations happening through the media. It just seems a bit awkward, really. It's not just not how one negotiates things, is it? Um, yeah. Openly like that. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to do it in a different way and with a firm stance, I guess. But there you go. And it, it, it's made quite a bit easier to, to the extent that the uh, UK government has got a significant majority in the um, House of Commons, which does mm. make it, uh, ensures that it's got the right support uh, and mandate to, to, to deal with the EU in the way that it does. So, yeah. Um, other than that, um, we've also got the start of the uh, Democratic National Convention. Um, this was delayed from July, so that's uh, the two parties in the US, the Republicans and Democrats, and the Democrats. Well, the Republicans haven't had theirs, um, but they've had to delay it. But the Democrats have got their convention because they they really need to uh, officially nominate their uh, candidate for their presidential um, election. And obviously, as we all know, it's going to be um, Joe Biden. Um, 
Sleepy Joe. Well, yeah, there you go. You see, Trump's had his effect on you. He's he keeps calling him Sleepy Joe. And the reason why sometimes referred to as Sleepy Joe, Joe Biden has been in politics and he's been in you know in Washington since the mid seventies. Uh, so he's got he's all he's got so much experience. Uh, conversely, Trump, who's got virtually no experience prior to uh, assuming the presidential office, um, you know, I, I don't know. Trump probably thought it was a game show. I'm not sure what he thought it was, but I, I don't think he thought he was going to win it. But here we are uh, in the run up to the election, November the third, and um, you know this is a four day convention. It, it used to be held, you know, in um, uh, in a particular sort of setting and it's been hold, held in Milwaukee, but no one's going to be attending it. So it's all going to be held remotely. Um, just a few organizers will actually be attending in person. Um, and then, the, the, yeah. How, how likely is it that that's really going to have much of an impact on the markets? I know we've talked in previous weeks that, you know, that there's an argument that, that Joe Biden winning would be bad for equities, uh, perhaps. Yeah. Um, is it likely to have an impact in the short term on the dollar and on, on, on the stock market? Uh, well, it, it's a way of galvanizing the sort of foot soldiers. Uh, you know, it really is the sort of the firing of a starting gun, as it were, for the Democratic uh, Party. Um, and it normally galvanizes them. I mean, could it have an effect on the stock market to the extent that, I don't know, you, we discussed this a, a, a few, a couple of weeks ago, what happens in the three months leading up to a, a US presidential election, according to some research that... Uh, uh, one of the banks did that was reported in the FT that um, if the market starts to drift and, and come off within the three months before an election, um, then the incumbent normally loses. Um, and it's interesting, you know, you can get the polling uh, in, 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 in detail. In fact, the BBC have got a, a US election tab uh, and on that you can scroll down and there's a there's a, a breakdown of how the polling's going, and and Biden's 50 and Trump's 42 percent, which is quite a wide margin for now. Uh, which is, if that plays plays out in the election, and he does manage to take some of the key states, you know, the 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 the, the um, ones are up for grabs. Uh, the, they, I think they refer to them as the battleground um, states. Uh, yeah. Then Biden gets in, and yeah, you're right. That's not good for stocks typically. I know Biden has already talked about raising corporation tax. Yeah, yeah, no, nobody likes that. Um, <laughs> okay, so why don't we get back onto more, I guess, more normal economic uh, matters? Um, yep. So, what what have we got this week? Uh, yep. Okay. Okay. So, um, first of all, Tuesday we got uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia minutes from the last policy meeting. Uh, so you can see that there. Um, uh, as you have, uh, uh, well, you can see it, the first one actually of the week yep. that we're looking at anyway. Uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what, to what extent the committee uh, viewed the spike in infections in Victoria because um, uh, Australia had been doing quite well, but that may impact growth going forward. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what they've got to say about that. Wednesday, uh, we've got the OPEC uh, JMC, JWMC meeting. Uh, that's that's really behind closed doors, but um, they do talk to the press, the candidates, and uh, uh, attendance, I should say, uh, uh, but any change in policy, I'm sure we're going to hear about pretty quickly. Uh, we've got US crude inventories, so that's more of an effect on WTI, but uh, uh, the inventories have been going down of late, um, but we'll see. We know all about oil. I think that'll um, be in the shadow of the uh, OPEC meeting, uh, to be honest. Uh, and then we have the one of the more interesting releases of the week, the FOMC minutes, uh, Federal Open Market Committee minutes, detailed minutes, I think should underpin what Jay Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, was saying 
at that meeting uh, the commitment to monitor and support the US recovery. Well, if you didn't say that, it could mean something. If you, did, you said the opposite, it really would be a bit curious. But dollar and US equities will be sensitive to any sign of a, a change in support, whether it's more support or less support, um, Adrian. Um, yeah, and it's definitely the case if you're a, a day trader, just to be a little bit aware of that particular time. Fine to trade after it, but to hold positions into that number, into that release, uh, is uh, aggressive, uh, shall we say, uh, and perhaps foolhardy. You know, time will tell. But yeah, there is it, a risk of slippage over such times, isn't there? And you know, yeah. when you end up getting perhaps stopped out at a price you didn't want, quite, could be quite a long way away from where you wanted to get out. So, can be an yeah. expensive time. Uh, that's for sure. It, it, it's hard to say because a lot of the economic releases that happen in the US normally come out at the beginning of the day. Um, and anything that the Fed does, whether it's an interest rate decision or their minutes, comes out at seven o'clock in the evening, which is two o'clock in the afternoon. And it does sometimes catch us Europeans out when we're when we, we're trading or have been trading and you suddenly get a big sort of spike or collapse in the markets. Mm. So it's, it, you've definitely got to keep an eye on that for sure. Um, I guess it gives them time to get a round of golf in the morning first, doesn't it? Before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or a long breakfast, whatever you want to call it. Um, um, Thursday, we got the Philly Fed manufacturing PMI. Um, this stands for Philadelphia. It's a, quite a busy uh, federal district in the US. It's got a lot of manufacturing uh, in it. So uh, it's quite interesting to see how the manufacturing PMI is going there. And we're forecasting or or economists are forecasting a slight pullback there in manufacturing activity there. Uh, we then have um, later on the weekly initial employment claims uh, not to be confused with unemployment data this is just for first time claimants um it did below a million last week for the first time for quite some time and i guess mm. you know uh, will that be maintained uh, was it an aberration uh, the market is on the lookout for signs that you know the economy could be slowing because of uh, the increase in infections from june um so that's something we're on the lookout for uh, Friday, I'm just rattling through this now, Adrian, stop me if you yeah. need me to. No, uh, Friday, we've got the PMI data. Um, it's broken down. You've got French and German, but let's just focus on the, the Eurozone ones as a whole. Uh, flash um, data just means it's the first reading. They have two readings. Uh, they don't have all the data at hand when they produce the first reading, hence the reason why it's called flash. Uh, manufacturing, 52.7 versus 51.8. Uh, so still a pickup slightly less so. Services again uh, unchanged really 54.6 versus 54.7 uh, and the one uh, that looks quite interesting is the sterling, is, sorry UK uh, with uh, manufacturing and services numbers coming out as well um, half an hour later. Uh, manufacturing 54.0, uh, 53.3 last so sort of just maintaining the momentum there uh, but the yeah. services um, still really, really buoyant. And you'd expect that because the services got absolutely clobbered. Remember, the UK suffered has suffered one of the biggest contractions uh, out of any of the uh, developed economies, uh, largely because it's reliance on um, consumer spending. Uh, and so with the collapse in the consumer spending, that's exactly what has happened. But uh, there has been a significant rebound. And I note that Al Andy Haldane, the Bank of England uh, chief economist, is... Um, is predicting a record jump in GDP for Q3 when the numbers come about. So uh, uh, it, for him, he's definitely continues to support his own theory that we've got a V-shaped recovery. 
Mm, well, I hope so. Um, uh, okay, and well, let's finish it off uh, very quickly with uh, there's a few U.S. Um, uh, earnings still to still to come out. I mean, a lot of the big ones have come have come and gone, haven't they? But uh, uh, we've got a few more. Jerry, should you quickly skittle through those. Uh, yeah, we have. Um, we're right at the tail end of the Q2 earnings season. We've got Walmart. Remember the owner of uh, Asda, uh, big one of the biggest yeah, U.S. retailers that have struggled, obviously, because of the, the online issues. Um, I still think it has got Asda, actually. Uh, Target Group is another one. And also that e-commerce giant Alibaba. Everyone sort of says, oh, but hang on a second, that's Chinese, isn't it? It is, but it's actually listed in New York. So uh, that's the reason why we're looking forward to seeing those results. Um, Home Depot, or Home Depot, as the Americans call it, um, Coles, the department store, and then Estee Lauder. So yeah, they tend to sort of group these together. You get all the banks coming out the same week. Well, it's the turn of the retailers this week. So, uh, yeah, be interesting to see how well they've recovered. I suspect they've done, done pretty well. Um, good. Well, I think that's pretty much it, Jerry. So um, have a great week uh, trading. We'll be back with you next week uh, as ever. Um, but uh, in the meantime, if you're stuck for something to do, uh, the weather's getting a bit rubbish this week, isn't it? So why don't you come along to one of our live trading events? Uh, we're running three events this week and we'd love to see you online. You can participate, you can ask questions and hopefully you can learn how to play some better trades as well because we're going to be teaching one of our favorite trading strategies. It's one of our foundation strategies and how we get our new students up and running uh, and trading and getting some great opportunities away on the FX index and commodity markets. So if you'd like to come along and book a free place in one of these live events, please go to our website or, or a short link, I should say, uh, bit.ly, so bit.ly slash learn TS. So bit.ly slash learn TS. Uh, but otherwise, for myself and Jerry, have a great week's trading and we look forward to seeing you online again soon enough. Bye-bye for now.